Welcome to Flock Talk, a podcast of GCF North. Flock Talk exists to inform, encourage, and inspire. This is your host, Dave Farley, lead pastor of GCF North. This is season two, episode... 14. 14. Is it really episode 14? Yeah. Man, how many did we, did we do last year? Uh, I think we did uh, f- uh, 13 or 14. We're kind of a big deal, Tommy. Yeah. That's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what we went and got you. <laughs> I'm joined today by Tommy Allen. I first met Tommy Allen. I was a young seminary punk. This was back in probably like 2001 or two. Um, Tommy was a church planting rock star in Seattle. <laughs> Homies with Tim Keller and R.C. Sproul uh, yep. doing, doing a fantastic work on Capitol Hill yep. uh, in Seattle. Yep. Uh, and if you don't know where that is, it's it's um it's a very uh, eclectic, diverse, um, secular community. Correct. Tommy parachuted in, planted a church, and they saw yeah. tons of conversions. And in fact, my sister was involved in that church for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, way back in the day. Anyways, um, uh, Tommy is now planting a church here in North Spokane. Um, but let's back up a little bit and, and Tommy, tell us, tell us who you are. Give us a brief bio of Tommy Allen. Hmm. So I didn't grow up in church. I'm from South Florida. Didn't grow up in church. Um, my father left when I was five. My mom married a pretty abusive alcoholic and the church had literally no place in my life growing up. In high school, I became a Christian as a result of um, two friends who stuck with me for about four years, became a Christian. I, I, it's a funny story. I, I went to a Young Life camp. I didn't know what camps were. They're like, hey, let's go hear the speaker. And I'm like, what do you mean hear the speaker? Like, that's how ignorant I was. And the first night of this Young Life camp, the guy just said, hey, um, hey, kids, you're like, <laughs> you're sinners and God's going to hold you responsible. Have a good night. And I was like, what the heck? <laughs> And I walked out of the room and the, one of my friends was like, so what'd you think of the talk? And I said, honestly, I think I'm screwed. Like, what do I, like, what do, I do with this? And by the end of the night, I'd become a Christian. He shared wow. the gospel with me. And, and it's really funny because at young, young Life, you're not supposed to become a Christian until Thursday. And it was mm-hmm. Monday. And they didn't know what to do with this wild kid because I'm asking questions. And, and the reason that story is important, and I, I remember when I was driving home on the bus and I asked the leader, I'm like, man, if this is true, why isn't everyone telling people about Jesus? And his answer was a little bit like, I, even then I thought, eh, I don't know about that. He basically said, well, you know, some people are accountants and some people are police officers and some people are dentists and, you know, some people tell people about Jesus. And I was like, mm, I don't believe that. And so, mm. um, and another caveat to that story, but between becoming a Christian, right before I became a Christian, I enlisted in the army to become a ranger. Mm-hmm. And so I had to do that, right? It's like, <laughs> you're a Christian now. What do you do? Okay, now go learn to kill people. And so I did, I went in the army, did everything I ever dreamed about doing in the army, probably about three years in. Um, I mean, I, I went to jungle warfare school in Panama when Noriega was there. I went to Italian ski school in the Alps. Of course, I went to ranger school and all that stuff. And about my third year in, a good friend was killed. And everyone, what we would do in those days, you sort of stand in the circles, anyone want to say anything. And, and I, I cry pretty easily now, but I don't remember crying about anything to that point. And when it got to me, I just had this overwhelming feeling like that if, if what I believe is true, Frank could be in hell now. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't, so I had to figure things out, man. I had to, I didn't, I literally didn't know a Baptist from a Catholic. So, um, I started reading anything I could. I ended up, I got out of the army, went to Florida state, got involved with RUF. So, so what, what year is this? Army was 84 to 88. So this is the Bobby Bowden era at Florida State. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Bobby Bowden, I was classmates with Deion Sanders and Charlie Ward. Were you guys homies? There's a funny story about that, too. I was going across a crosswalk, and he almost ran me over. And back in the day, I had a little bit more attitude, and I just stood in the crosswalk, and he's beeping his horn, telling me to, you know, he was cussing. And I'm like, hey, man, chill out, and I'll keep walking. <laughs> and I walk, and he, he shot me a bird. And I, I'm so, like, happy to see where his life has gone. And yeah, so yeah. he wasn't like that in college. But, but by the way, maybe I told you this, but there's a really good documentary on Bobby Bowden. Oh yeah, you did. Uh, yeah. What, what, what's it? What's it called? Um, um, I forget. Oh, I can't think of the title. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. And and his his faith really comes out in that documentary. Right. He used to preach every Sunday somewhere. Wow. In, in Tallahassee. And yeah. Yeah, he was a good guy. I knew the chaplain, so I went to Florida State. And thought I was going to get go to grad school to teach English, and but at Florida State got involved in RUF. Got involved. Like, so, so tell tell the uh, the our, our massive audience of billions. <laughs> yeah, t- tell them what RUF is. So RUF is Reformed University Fellowship, and it's basically the campus ministry of the Presbyterian Church in America. And really, they focus on it's it's pretty simple. They focus on worldview um, and evangelism. At the end of the day, like how, how do you live out your life? If you are an accountant, how do you live your life? As what does it mean to be a Christian accountant? Right, your your mm-hmm. God has given everyone a calling, yeah. and uh, being a preacher is no better calling than being a, a anything. Right, and yeah. so that and in evangelism, of course, and and I think I've just always been an evangelist. I think is I can, I know what it's like yeah. to not have that hope and to look around. Most of the people we see here in Spokane or when I was in Seattle, they just have no idea. Of, they're, they're just, their life is just all these syncoping mechanisms. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and well, why wouldn't it be if, if they have no hope? Well, how can they have hope unless we tell them? And so mm-hmm. um, I, I, I have always been an evangelist, and, and that's just who I am. And so um, one thing in... Um, when I was at Florida State, I was thinking about going to grad school for English, and I went to a, Richard Pratt came to speak at an RUF thing. Richard Pratt was a professor at RTS. Phenomenal yeah. scholar, speaker. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And I met him, and he said, you know, before you go to grad school for English, you should come to RTS for a couple of years and, and get a theological grounding. And I was like, okay. I thought about that, and so I married, met my wife at RUF, and we were married in our senior year. And decided to go to RTS, and and I ended up working for Richard Pratt, and so that was just a great experience as well. Um, and I still thought I was going to be going to grad school for English, mm. but at the end of seminary, we had two kids that we didn't plan on. Right, <laughs> like our our plan was like, okay, we're going to go to seminary, we're going to pay all our bills, and then we're going to get pregnant, and then we're going to do all these things. What well, we graduated with two babies, and it's like you know. Our, our girls' nicknames are Oops, Whoops, and how'd that happen, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so, so at any rate, I thought, you know, maybe I need to get a job 
and the only job I was trained for really then was to be a pastor and um, got a job. I was hired by uh, in-town community church in Atlanta, which is a great church, part of the perimeter network with Randy Pope. And that was when the PCA was really becoming aggressive. By the way, quick, quick side note for our audience. Uh, Randy Pope's discipleship material has really influenced our mm. discipleship material. So his, his three-year discipleship track, yep. uh, I read through a couple of years ago, and it, it really, his philosophy of discipleship, his material really helped me rethink how we do things. So mm-hmm. his fingerprints are all over our discipleship stuff here at GCF North. Yeah, I, I'm a big great stuff. I'm a big fan of Randy, and which is a great story as well. So I, the PCA was really becoming aggressive with church planning in those days. I got to Atlanta as a, a you know, I was like a small group pastor, and I preached a couple times, and people started saying, "Why did you come here?" And I'm like, "Why?" And they're like, "Well, you should be preaching at a, some some other place. Like you're you're being wasted as just like calling people on the phone all the time." And at some point, I got a call from Randy Pope's assistant. And I was called literally to an audience with the Pope. <laughs> and I, the Pope. I'm like, like me? Like, I, I literally was a nobody. That's not false well, humility. It, it, it's a yeah. huge church. Yeah. 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 It's, it's like 6,000 member church. Yeah. He's hitting, and he's like all over the place. Yeah. And so we, I met him at Red Rob. And of course, I was very nervous. Like, what could he want from me? And he said, um, we, I want you to consider planting a church for us in Midtown. Atlanta, which is very similar to Capitol Hill in Seattle. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Right. I, Randy, I just started going to church like <laughs> a few years ago. Right. I don't think so. And he said, well, you just go to the assessment center assessment center. If you're not familiar with that, is sort of like ranger school for preachers. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's made to be difficult and challenge your character and challenge your skills. And, and he said, we'll pay for everything. And I said, well, I'm trying to get out of this, right? And I'm like, well, Randy, here's the deal. I don't know if I could sign your philosophy of ministry, right? He, they, they had a philosophy of ministry that was very codified. And I'm very like shucking and jot, figuring out what I need to do. And he said, you don't have to sign the philosophy of ministry. And I was like, oh, come on, man. And so finally, <laughs> he just like, he said, we'll give you the money anyway. And, and this is like really a testimony to Randy's like, like, I became a fan. So we went to the assessment center and I remember telling Judy, hey, Judy, it's like a free week. We don't want to plant a church. So how in the world could we pass? And so we went there. There were 18 couples. And I forget. So the first night of church planning assessment center, the, they have you stand up and say, give your call to church planning. And I stood up and said, I don't know that I am. And it was like this awkward moment because you have, you have 17 other couples that they want a good assessment. You know, they're like on the edge of their seat. Dying to plant a church. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. And (laughs) at some point someone asked me what you're, they said, they said, are you afraid of anything? And remember, I'm trying to make a bad impression. They're they're on the back with their yellow pads writing. And I'm not going to say what I said here on this podcast, uh, lest I sully this mic, but (laughs) The, the, he said, are you afraid of anything? And I said, yeah. I said, I'm afraid God would take me to someplace like Seattle and leave with my butt hanging in the wind. And I didn't use the word <laughs> butt on purpose. And, you know, everyone's like, oh. And they're like, all right, sit down. And so. I, so, so you said Seattle. 
Yes, I just pulled it because, you know, we always talk about, oh, there's nothing. Seattle's like the most unchurched. Seattle's like the most this and that. And I literally said Seattle. And so I just went through the assessment that week, like not giving a crap about anything. It's like, yeah, you know, I'll do the exercises. I'll do the things and that. And so at the end of the week, you you meet, like you and your wife meet with like this board of assessors and they're going to tell you like everything that's wrong with you right, and everything right. that you need to work on in your marriage. And, and, and from what I hear, they ask you about every single oh, detail ask, of your life. Yes. Every Finances, Finances, everything, sex, sex life, sex. everything. And they ask you like, which, you know, I passed obviously, but. They ask you in your your application, can you give us the name of three or four people that you've led to Christ in the past couple of years? And you put that down, and, and they go back and they call. If they can't get those people, they call your friends and say, do, Tommy says he led this guy Joe to Christ. Do you know Joe? Wow. Like, they're really getting deep. And so we went into the meeting, and I'm sure, like, you know, I'm like, I, I could have lit a cigarette. You know, like, uh, you know. <laughs> and they're like... Hey, how do you think it went this week? I'm like, went fine for me, you know? And they said, well, here, this is going to probably sound strange to you, and, and, but after this week, we think that you and Judy are one of maybe two couples in the country that could plant a church in Seattle. <laughs> and I said, you're kidding, right? And they're like, no. And basically, all the things I, by just being me, as opposed to trying to perform for them, yeah, yeah. they're like, that's what, what we need, right? Yeah. And, huh. So, you know, I'm a, I was in the army, so I'm a team player and I'm like, okay, we'll go check it out. And we flew to Seattle and I remember walking through Capitol Hill and Judy saying, this, this feels like home. Mm. And I'm like, okay. And so we went, planted the church. And, and what, what year was that? That must've been 96. And, and when, when you planted on Capitol Hill, did you know anyone in, on Capitol Hill? No. So, so how, how did you... <laughs> How did you meet people? How did you, what was your evangelistic strategy? How did you gather the church? Yeah. Um, it's interesting. It's quite different than Spokane. Yeah. Um, so that was right during the internet boom, right? That's when everyone was moving there for Amazon or for, you know, Microsoft or startup companies. People, our, our neighbor did a, like a startup website and sold it to Microsoft for like $900,000. And so and God did all this miraculous stuff to get us a house right, right by Volunteer Park, and mm. you know, which we shouldn't have been able to afford, and all this kind of stuff. And really, what we did, I just did, was networking, just meeting with people, and asking them two or three questions, like, "What you know, what do you like about Seattle? Um, and what would a church look like that served Seattle?" Mm. And that second question was always the interesting thing. So I call, I call up, and I say, "Dave, hey." Can you give me a half hour? I want to ask you a couple of questions. Those meetings always ended up being an hour and a half or two. Because as soon as you ask people, what would a church look like that served Seattle? What would a church look like that served Spokane? Any, any place. They have a lot of opinions. Or they say churches are supposed to serve people. Mm. Right? They don't know what church. I, don't, I wouldn't have known what a church is supposed to do. Mm. And so gathering of people we we got a, some couples from green lake mm-hmm. um and some other folks that that i bumped into and just started a bible study at my house on sunday afternoons and say okay we're starting a bible study for the skeptical curious and the committed and you know i think i taught john or something and people just started bringing 
unbelieving friends who who were open to hearing about the gospel and you know it's it's this combination of we we think it's not just they're open to hearing about the gospel right it's like they're just this random person right, out there they're open to hearing about the gospel in the context of their relationship with some christian who wasn't weird mm. if that mm. makes yeah. sense yeah. right and so I, I was a sales rep for Eli Lilly for a few years, and I remember a doctor saying, um, all things being equal, people buy from their friends. Mm. And then it, she came back and said, all things being unequal, people still buy from their friends. Mm. And I never forgot that because it's really appropriate to evangelism, evangelism yeah. right? Yeah. If people really think you're their friend and that you're not just like trying to befriend them so you can invite them to something or that, that you're just, you know, we're, we're going to be friends whether or not you come to church with me or not, yeah. we're gonna be, you know. Yeah. And so we just started gathering people. Like I thought it was going to take 18 months before we launched a worship service and things happened so quickly. It happened. We did it in six months. I, I remember visiting um, that church. You, you, were, you happened to be gone that weekend. Mm -hmm. This must have been in like 2000, 99, 2000. And it, it seemed like it was a really vibrant church, mm -hmm. life, lots of people. So so God did something mm -hmm. amazing. I mean, it's hard to describe Capitol Hill for those who haven't been there, but it's it's a it's a dark, secular, mm -hmm. non-Christian place. And the fact that you guys parachuted into there knowing no one and a church just kind of grew yeah. you know, out of nothing yeah. really is a testament to God's power, right. God's grace. Oh, so, so you guys were there for how many years? Five, five years. And then you, you took a break from ministry. Yep. And then you sold for Eli, sold drugs. for Eli Lilly, and that, that was great, too. You were a drug dealer. Yeah, I was a drug dealer. <laughs> but the cool thing about that is what I learned at Eli Lilly, besides that, I, that you know, we were always in the top 2%, my partner and I, was that I was, whether I was in a pastor or whether I was, I was going to be a sales rep, I was still an evangelist. Amen. And so I got to share the gospel with psychiatrists up and down the coast of Washington. Mm. And, you know, we bring in speakers from all over the world, like famous people, and I would always volunteer to drive them. Mm. And people would say, Tommy, why do you always volunteer to drive them? And I'd say, because that means they're stuck in a car with me for seven hours. <laughs> and so, you know, that, that was just a great time. I had a great team, great boss. Many of my teammates became Christians. Yeah. Um, and... So some of my teammates now are even like supporters of the wow. Spokane wow. church who, be, who became Christians. And so um, let's, let's jump ahead. So yep. I'll, I'll try to summarize your story. So, so then you ended up to make a long story short, you pastored South of Seattle, um, right after Eli Lilly, yep. you pastored for 17, 17 years, years at, at an EPC church. Yep. What was the name of the church? When I took, when I started there, it was first Evangelical Presbyterian church. Yep. We ended up changing the name to New Hope. Okay. Presbyterian Church, and then you, you and your wife really sensed um, a call to come to North Spokane and plant near Whitworth, and that's because your daughters went to school there, correct? Correct. And so, folks may not know this, but you, you, had, you and your wife attended GCF North for probably six to eight months. Correct. Maybe? Yeah, we did. We loved it. Um, as as you guys were kind of um, researching, building a team, getting ready to launch. Right. Um, you guys launched this fall, but 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 tell us back up one step and tell us what what was the impetus behind you guys thinking, man, we we really want to plant in North Spokane. Tell us how that all came about. In order to know how that came out, you have to have some sense of how I understand calling. Hmm. 
And so for one, one thing, calling, in, in my opinion, and it's re, it, which is influenced by Francis Schaeffer, is primarily external. It, in, in other words, when, it, when people were, were nominated to be elders in our church, and they didn't, they're like, how do I know if I'm called to be an elder? And I'd say, well, I want you to talk to your family, of course. Talk to your small group. Talk to your friends. Talk to people at work who aren't even Christians. When, I, when, when New Hope offered me the job to come on staff, I met with every person at Eli Lilly on my team, 12 people, many of them not Christians, and everyone said some version of, man, how could you not do what you were born to do? Mm. That's the kind of affirmation you want, right? Because the, that, that, to me, that's like 90%. 10% is whether I feel like it. Because you know what? Some days I feel like it, and some days I don't. Yeah. Right. And, and most of the time what keeps me in the game is knowing that God spoke the Holy Spirit spoke through all these people unanimously. Mm. And so New Hope, the first 10 years was pretty hard. You know, it was an older Presbyterian church, and I had to do things like take the flag out of the sanctuary and, you know, everything I did, you know. <laughs> as, as an army ranger. Right. You know, I, I, I know you love your country, but we've yes. talked about this, yes. and I, I could not agree with you more. You know, so I, I would never have an American flag in our sanctuary. Right. And God bless America. Right. I love America. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, well, yeah. But, but, but America and the kingdom of God are two different entities. Right. I mean, yeah, people would call, they'd be upset. And I'd say, you know what? I want you to come meet me in my office because my office is like a shrine to Army Rangers. Yeah. It, there's flags everywhere, not in the sanctuary. You know, that, that kind of stuff. Um, and so after about 10 years, we'd gotten through a lot of the, the change and the conflict. And, um, it was actually about two years ago that I finally, my, my father passed away. I found out about that on Facebook. Mm. And exactly a month later, my stepfather died while doing life without possibility of parole in prison. Mm. And I just thought, okay, I probably need to talk to somebody about this. Because <laughs> you know, like, I, I never had. And so I call, I, you know, I know a lot of people, so I, I eventually found this guy in Colorado who did, did intensive. So it was, I did a two week, like 30 hours of therapy in two weeks. And at the end, and it was life changing. It was unbelievable. And at the end of it, he said, Tommy, I think you need to be done at New Hope. Mm. And I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, I think you need to go back to what you're good at. And I said, what is that? And he said, I think you need to go back to church planting and coaching and mentoring young guys and this and that. And I said, okay, um, I'll think about it. And I went back to New Hope, and, it, and at some point, a, a couple of months later, the elder who had originally pulled me into ministry, he's in his 80s now, took me out to lunch with tears in his eyes. He said, you know, I've learned the gospel from you. I've learned all these things, but I think you need to be done at New Hope. Mm. And I was like, what do you think I should be doing? He didn't know what the therapist said, by yeah, the way. Yeah. And he said, I think you need to go back to church planting. Mm. And I said, really? And he said, in fact, I think you ought to go to Spokane. Mm. And the reason for that is our Presbyterians talked about Spokane a lot. Um, a lot of EPC kids had gone to Whitworth. My, two of my daughters went to Whitworth. One went to West Point. Um, and at some point, about 2019 or 20, um, Whitworth had come to the EPC, our Presbyterians specifically, and said, can we do this cooperative agreement? And basically it's like, we'll support you and your ministry and you support us and our ministry. And really we want to see kids developing leaders and da, da, da. That was pretty safe for them to do given the fact that the closest EPC church is about 
60 miles, and that's a small church. The closest big church is three or 400 miles away. Mm -hmm. So like they could tell everyone, hey, we're in partners with this evangelical organization yeah. because people question them sometimes, or yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And well, I showed up and it's like, you know, Sydney Portier, like, guess who's coming to dinner? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I'm here. And so um, that was really what took us to close to Whitworth. It's that and my experience with RUF, right? So the one thing, the difference between the EPC and the PCA is the PCA has, if I remember correctly, campus ministers on like 180 campuses. It's some unreal number. Wow. And that ministry has just been incredible. Yeah. Like you, you probably can't go to a PCA church now and not, and there won't be elders that have gone through RUF, mm -hmm. at least some. It's produced so many elders, pastors, church, church planners. planners. Yeah. Oh. I'm, so the EPC has nothing like that. Pause for a second. Yeah. So the, the EPC, for people who don't know, is the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. Yep. Um, it's a conservative Presbyterian denomination, yep. Westminster Confession of Faith. Correct. Very similar in some senses to the PCA. Yep. There, there, there's a little more freedom on some secondary issues in the EPC. Correct. But Tommy is a Westminster Confession of Faith guy, yep. conservative evangelical. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. So I, I, the way I describe it is like in the 70s when the the mainline Presbyterian church was getting really liberal. Um, there was a group of people who were like, man, we're out of here. And they were sharp and they were harsh and they were quick and they left. And, and that, that became the PCA. Yeah. And to this day, the PCA can be a little bit like pugilistic. And at that same time, there was a group of people saying, man, it seems like we should be able to get along here. It seems like if the, if the Bible's true and if the gospel's true, we should be able to reconcile it. Well, five years later, they left yeah. and that became the EPC. Right. And the EPC to this day is very ironic and how can we get along uh, so that kind of thing so yeah they have essentials which are derived from the westminster confession of faith and anything that's not in the essentials is sort of like yeah you know people don't really sweat a lot about yeah and so yeah but so that's a good thing i think in in a lot of ways but they don't have a pipeline if you will for leaders and so in my mind, it's like, okay, Whitworth has this agreement with us. Presbytery's talked about Spokane. Um, we have kids who live here now. Um, what's not to like about that, right? Like that, that could, you know, help us do with all of these things. You know, if we can reach students ultimately and, you know, take them from conversion to ultimately church planning, yeah. ultimately, um, then that's a, a thing and the other thing is there's no epc churches here which meant parachute draw which is just crazy a, 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 yeah. a city our size yeah yeah it's crazy but i think that has to do with dy the dynamics of spokane right like so not to to have this be a flattering session but for, for all the listeners we moved to spokane and only one pastor in two years has called me and said hey let's get together how can we support you and that was dave hmm. um and 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 we didn't come to GCF I'll, just because I'll, you did I'll, that. I'll, I'll pay you later, Tommy. <laughs> okay. No, but like Brian's here too. We, we like love the worship because mm -hmm. in, in our church in New Hope, like we, we had gone, you know, over 17 years from basically old hymn book to basically what you guys are doing. Mm -hmm. Almost the same canon of music. Yeah. And so we loved it here. Mm. Um, you know, and if the, and if church plant crashes and burns, we may be back here. <laughs> We'd love to have you back. <laughs> um, you know, but... Um, I don't think it will, but yeah. 
so I, I don't know where were we at in the question. Well, we we, we got about five minutes left. Okay. So uh, so people know uh, GCF. Uh, we we financially support the work of Mercy Church. Am I saying it right? We we. Mercy. It's Mercy Church Spokane. On Mercy all Church of our Spokane. Official documents. We just yeah. said Mercy Spokane. So, so we we are we are joyful partners with Mercy Church Spokane financially. Uh, my son Silas has led worship for you guys yep. at least once or twice. Yep. Um, uh, the Robins have gone with you yep. from GCF, which we're really happy about. And if if any if any of you are listening, you're thinking, boy, I like what Tommy is saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would want you to prayerfully consider joining Tommy at Mercy Church Spokane and partnering with him because they need help. Yeah, uh, they need people. They need evangelists. They need servants. They need givers. Yep. Um, so if if you if you like his story and you like what he's saying, yep. um, feel free to reach out to him and sure. check out Mercy Church Spokane. What's your website? Mercy, um, I, they, they could just Google Mercy Church Spokane. Mercy Spokane or thereismercy.org. Okay, they find. And, you know, and, and the caveat to that is whether it's from GCF or some other church is I always send people back to the pastor to, to get blessing permission because yeah. we're not like a sheep stealer. It would be easy actually just to get up to, to gather a group of, of disaffected Christians from any number of traditions. Yeah. And just that's not what we're about. You know, we're about like, how can we see these neighborhoods transformed? How can we see people come to Christ? How can, you know? Although my friend used to say, Tommy, my pastor friend, we don't steal the sheep, we just grow the grass. <laughs> that, that's pretty good, actually. <laughs> and you're growing some good grass over there by Whitley. Okay, so, 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 so tell us right now, like, what are your, what are your challenges? Uh, how can we pray for you? How sure. can we serve you? Uh, I know a big one right now is facility. Correct. So I'm still in talks with Whitworth about, ideally, we would love to rent space on Whitworth. I mean, our prayer is the chapel. I mean, that would be... Yeah, chapel or, or even... awesome. They have, a, they have like 15 places there. Yeah, um, that, so many that places. That would be good. Um, and if you're familiar with Spokane, which most listeners probably are more familiar with Spokane than I am, there's not many, if any, evangelical churches within walking distance of Whitworth. Right. And that's that's been intentional over the years, mm. and so we're trying to break through that. That's one. The other thing is, people like because of the I send people back to get blessing from their pastor. Like anyone who joins us has to really have a sense of mission, yeah. Because it's going to cost them. It's gonna, it's going to cost them, right? The the worship is not as good as it is here, right? Because it's in my house right now, you know mm. that kind of stuff. Um, but so we have about. Um, 10 people committed to our launch team. We need about 10 more before we could and facilities. So I always go by launch indicators rather than like a slavish timeline. Yeah. Because when the Holy Spirit brings certain things, so, so launch indicators at our church are, do we, do we have a launch team of about 20 people? Um, do we have a worship leader? Which we actually, that's been the easiest one between, we have one, Silas has been helping, there's other students who've offered. Um, so you have the, that, you have facilities, do we have facilities, and do we have professions of faith? Mm. So we have worship and we have professions of faith actually already. And part, part of the reason for that is like if you're planning, whatever trajectory you start with mm-hmm. is where you're going to be headed, mm. right? And so if your trajectory is like, okay, I'm just going to gather up ticked off Christians and hopefully we can become evangelistic later. Yeah. Um, we're almost the opposite, right? Let's, so some of our launch team, I'm assuming 
and and I would predict are going to be people who aren't even Christians yet. Mm. Um, but so people we need, um, but we need the right people, people people who really know that it's gonna it's gonna cost them not a ton, but it's gonna it's it's gonna cost them just showing up and enjoying good worship, yeah. enjoying good preaching. Um, although I hope that they, they would enjoy the preaching. Um, <laughs> they, they, they have they have to really feel called to the mission and believe in the mission. Right. And and that's a what I've learned is and I'm learning, that's a different Spokane doesn't have a lot of that vibe. Spokane mm. is I've not met very many Christians who are really outwardly facing, really wanting to 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 see their neighbors come to Christ. It's more let's do life together. You know, we're gonna be in the same small group for twenty years together and it's gonna be awesome and our kids are gonna know each other. And there's a place for that, yeah. obviously. Um, I think the place for that is in the context of also engaging our neighbors and also uh, reaching people. And I, I was telling a guy before I walked in here that um, if you're a, cons- a person who is consistently hospitable or shows hospitality in Spokane, in my experience so far, it sort of makes you a weirdo. Mm. Like in our neighborhood, people don't know what to do with us. But they love us. Mm-hmm. One of my neighbors took me out and he said, Dominic, you and Judy have transformed this neighborhood in the last year with all the people you've had over. And, mm. and he said, I- I'm, I'm ashamed to say I've been living here for 20 years and I, haven't, I don't even know my neighbors, wow. but we're having them over to dinner. Wow. Mm. And so that's the kind of thing. It's like, are we really engaging the, the neighborhood? Mm. And it, it just, that's costly. Now, the, the, what I've learned is, when we planted the church first time, it almost killed me because we had three babies. I'm traveling all over the country and I'm starting this church at Capitol Hill. I'm doing all these things. Well, now I'm an empty nester. And so why wouldn't I have people over to my house? Mm-hmm. Like God has given me this phenomenal house right by Whitworth. And that used to be the party house. I told you that. It used to be. Well, yeah, yeah. you told me that. Yeah. It's the party house now. It's just a different, <laughs> different kind of party. Different kind of party. <laughs> So yeah, I mean there were there were some serious drunken ragers at that house, and now it's a church. That's awesome. Praise yeah. God. Well, Tommy, we got to wrap it up. But, All right. but I'm thinking we should do another episode where we just we just talk about church planting. Why church planting? What is church planting? Who should plant churches? I'd love to sure, do, I'd love do, to do, do a whole episode on that because this is your second time around yep. planting a church, and you've read a ton of books on this and taught on this, and yeah, it'd be a really fun thing to talk about in the future. Yeah, but I'd love to. Man, thanks so much for joining us. It's great to hear your story. Yeah. And again, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, it sounds like a great mission, please contact Tommy. Um, he needs people, servants, givers, yep. converts, um, prayers. And again, it's our joy to partner with you uh, financially. Yep. Thank you. All right, Tommy. Well, thanks for listening to Flock Talk, a ministry of GCF North. GCF North exists to glorify God through gospel-centered worship, discipleship, and evangelism. To learn more, go to our website, gcfnorthspokane.org.